0: What is the biggest off-season regret for the Dallas Cowboys? All that and more this episode of the Locked On Cowboys Podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your locked daily Dallas on. Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast locked Network, your locked team on. every locked day. Locked On. Locked. Locked. locked On. Locked On Cowboys. Locked On Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Joining me today, as always, is Lana McCool. Check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. We are answering your Twitter questions today, and we've got some really good ones. So let's go ahead and start with this one from Christian. He wants to know what is the one regret? that the front office of the Dallas Cowboys will look back at during the 2023 season, a move they made, or maybe a move that they didn't make. What are your thoughts?
1: This is a difficult one. You're asking us to predict how things turn out in the future. And then what mistakes that we currently don't see, are they going to retroactively look back to find? Yes. Uh, yes, they are. Okay. The okay. Now that bit. I understand. Now that I understand, um, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it, it, I, you you probably your eyes go back to where you know you, you have concerns now right like uh did the Cowboys do enough at defensive tackle did the Cowboys have enough uh uh, uh contingency plan at left guard so that if if Tyron Smith gets hurt that Ty, Tyler Smith slides out uh, did the Cowboys do enough at wide receiver is Gallup uh, able to kind of come back to a form that we thought that he could uh from not just last season but the year previous to that. Uh, those are all kind of the things that 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 immediately popped to mind. And it's funny, I say all that, and 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 outside of defensive tackle, like what I, which I just mentioned, most of these seem to be on the offensive side of the ball. That I yeah. have, right. That because there's yeah. just so much kind of uncertainty there. There's so much change there that I I think you know regret is 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 what is it a, a, a fourth a fourth huh, I can't remember the saying, but the point is is that it's easy to look back and, and kind of uh, uh, after you have all the answers, like you know, kind of dissect what happened and try to kind of parse out like where you made mistakes. I think what's hard now is that you know there are so many things that are going to happen between now and the end of the season, obviously, including sure. unforeseen injuries and 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 player regression and that sort of thing. I think the things that the Cowboys could have anticipated and and, and made changes to kind of head off at the pass uh, at this point of the season. For the most part, they've done, and, and I think the, the things that we're not certain about are all the things that we've just kind of discussed over and over again that we're hoping to discover in training camp.
0: I've got one specific move for you that I think, at least in my mind, I, I think I would have done. Dalton Schultz signing a one-year $6.2 million deal with Houston. I kind of wish they would have just did that deal. right? You, you, you bring him back for one more year. It allows Ferguson and Hendershot, Another year where they're developing, but they're getting maybe some more snaps, and you just ease that transition a little bit more. And then you don't have to spend a second-round pick on Luke Schoonemaker. Maybe you use that pick on a left guard, like Osiris Torrance, or maybe that's when you draft Marvin Mims or Cedric Tillman or Jalen Hyatt, and you just add to that wide receiver core. I think for the cost of basically just $6 million, I would have liked to see them bring Schultz back just because you're kind of in a win now window and I think I know he's flawed he's not a perfect tight end I just think he makes your whole offense it raises the floor of the offense
1: yeah I think if the Cowboys had an idea of the kind of market that he would have had maybe they would have made a stronger offer but then again I mean I have to imagine that you know they had an idea that he probably must have come to them uh to see if they wanted to match that 6.2 million dollar offer and they didn't seem all that interested so uh, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. They, they are, you know, in, in, a, um, in a season in which there is so much uncertainty. We just talked about on the offensive side of the ball. The tight end position has been a blanket for the quarterback in this offense for a long time. And, and, and to kind of add uncertainty at a position that is usually provided a lot of kind of comfort and, and, and escape, you know, when things are bad uh, at a year where there's so much change in other spots. Uh, that could end up biting, coming back to bite yep. him a little bit if the cow, if Dak is not able to find a kind of reliable outlet, uh, for for you know for, hey, when things are going wrong, where do my eyes go to? That sort of kind of solution, uh, that could come
0: back and bite the, the Cowboys a little bit if the Cowboys can't find another tight end to do that I, for him. I also just wonder like. Because this is very likely what could have happened is they could have said, OK, hey, we're, we're not going to bring Schultz back at six million because we really like this upcoming tight end class. Like it's really mm-hmm. strong. We feel comfortable that we're going to get somebody in the first two rounds of the draft that's going to be able to match his type of production. But then they get in the draft and all those tight ends just kind of fly off the board between their first and second round picks. And whether you want to say they took the last guy of the tier, Luke Schoonermaker or they took the first guy of tier three, or however you want to phrase it, maybe maybe you wouldn't feel like you had to reach is the wrong word. Maybe you didn't feel like you'd had to be pigeonholed into to, to drafting a tight end so early if you were able to bring back Dalton Schultz on a cheap deal, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would counter that with is, is that, you know, they're clearly looking to kind of create some more upside at the position with a better athlete. I mean, they, they have kind of leveled out. It seems like the last few drafts when they've been drafting tied in and, and sort of getting these sort of not, not, middling athletes, but not certainly great athletes. The and I think four, Schooner... seven,
0: eight type of
1: athletes. Exactly. Have, right. And I think Schoonermaker represents a, a tier above that athleticism-wise. So m- at the very least, maybe they're just mixing up the the amount of athleticism in the tight end room by clearing a path
0: by letting well, Dalton Schultz school. And that's why I don't think they were all that interested in Michael Mayer, despite how productive he maybe. was at Notre Dame. Yeah. I just think he a was a lot of the same, too right? <laughs> he probably was too similar to what they had. Yeah. And I think that's why it kind of sounds like now their number one tight end was Sam Laporta, right? Because he w- he is that guy that's the four six oh make plays after the catch yeah. type of tight end. Yeah, and and, and Scooter Maker to me is
1: kind of the the next like best thing there, right? He's yeah. a little bit bigger. He may not be quite the athlete Laporta is, but he's definitely a significantly noticeable amount of, of a better athlete than the guys that are currently in that room.
0: All right, we're going to continue to talk about this tight end position because I I find it so fascinating with who's going to start, how much are they going to use them, but is it more important than the linebackers going into the 2023 season? We will get to that next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets regardless if you win or lose your bet. That is $200 that you can spend betting on everything from money lines to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. What's better than that? There is no better place to bet on baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit Fanduel.com slash on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That is Fanduel.com slash on. Fanduel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to the Lockdown Cowboys podcast. Every day we will be back on Monday. We're going to be off on Friday. Back on Monday to talk about the cornerback position for the Dallas Cowboys. So make sure you tune in for that. But right now, let's answer another tw- uh, Twitter question, and this one is really, really good. Uh, it comes from Mike. He wants to know: Do we think that the Dallas Cowboys ceiling becomes higher if we get improved play from the linebacking position or the tight end room? Hmm.
1: It's tough, you know. I I think tight end maybe because there's more of a needle to be moved here, right? Like I, I think you know with uh, on defense you know uh, they are so stacked at, at so many different positions um and on top of that they have other positions that can kind of supplement the linebacker you know position a little bit like with they, safety they yeah, have you, some guys yeah. that can kind of play the second level uh and i think that the, that may be true with the tight end as well when you think about wide receivers but i think that if you know they got really great tight end play here uh it it would supercharge this offense in a way that uh i think would really make a huge market difference. Now I think you could say that similarly about linebacker, but I I think, you know, you're already at such a high floor with the defense that, Hey, it's kind of icing on the cake. Yeah. But I think at having a, having, you know, tied in play that is, you know, let's say that, that Ferguson, you know, has really blown up in the off season and they get a whole bunch more out of a Schoonmaker than they uh, had previously gotten out of rookies that could open up the offense in a way and really open things up for the receivers on the outside and kind of just unfold the offense in a way that the the offense really needs. Uh, And again, like, I think you're just moving from a further lower down place to a higher place if you have uh, improved tight end play than say if you had like, you know,
0: Leighton Vander Esch suddenly playing
1: back at an all pro level or something like
0: that. Of these two positions, which one do you think has the highest floor going into the season? Is it linebacker? I think so just because there's more known quantity here right like I I, so. I don't I don't
1: feel nervous about tight end it's it's funny because like that's how the Cowboys kind of handle uncertainty at a position right is that they they don't put all their eggs in one basket to make it kind of develop right if there's if there's a non if there's an unknown quantity at a position they like to solve it with numbers right yes. so they're yes. like okay here there's Three different guys. All we need is one of these guys to hit, and then we're we're in a good spot. And that's kind of what they're doing with tight end. They've got four of these guys, really three, uh, and and two of which that are probably vying for kind of starting level, you know, positions in that situation. Uh, And and all they need is one of those two guys to kind of hit at a, you know just basic tight end level, not even necessarily superstar, just like replacement level tight end. And then the other one to do, you know, just to give you a little bit extra as like the tight end too. That's like the floor of what they need, but that still is not, you know, guaranteed. Like it's not as guaranteed as like uh, a healthy Leighton Vander Esch going into the season that who is your floor at linebacker, you know, you know what you have there. You feel like you have an idea of what you're going to get from there. Uh, We haven't seen any of these tight ends, do anything more in the NFL uh, than being a, a a number two tight end. You know yeah. we've we've only seen a certain amount of snaps for F- Ferguson and a certain amount of targets for all for Hendershot and all those guys. So this is a vast change in their responsibilities from where they were last season. So I think it's the floor is a little bit higher with with the known quantity and at linebacker position.
0: I, I will say so if you were to rank like the Cowboys the positions with the most uncertainty, I think linebacker tight end. An interior defensive liner, yep. those three. Not in that order, but pick your order, right? The good news is the guys that they have coaching linebacker, which is Dan, <laughs> I mean, really it's Dan Quinn, right? He's the one that's been coaching that position. His track record of like finding and developing guys is unreal at that position, yeah. right? Whether it's Bobby Wagner, whether it's Dion Jones, whoever. Like, I mean, he, he's been great. And then it's the tight end position, yep. which London Wells has been, Absolutely incredible at developing tight ends. So even if you don't love the options at those two positions, you do have to give this coaching staff a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because they, the the track record's really good there. Well, it, 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 it almost it feels like by design,
1: right? Like you, hey, look, let's identify where we know we have our best position coaches. Let's yeah. provide them several opportunities in you know by giving them a, a couple of different balls of clay to work with. And he'll he'll get one of these guys to work, and oh, if not multiple no of these guys to work. So, yeah. uh, and I and I have that same kind of confidence in Quinn and in Linda Wells, who I think you know arguably could be on especially on offense the best position coach you have I on the team. Probably is. So, right? uh, yeah, I, I think that that's not just a, a coincidence. I think that the Cowboys clearly made a concerted effort, like, hey, let's get younger at these positions where we have coaches who are good at developing players. Then we can get young talented, cheap players uh, that, that are, you know, it's 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 just a better financial situation and it's a better reliability situation than trying to provide a veteran who, you know, could get injured and who knows yeah. what could happen.
0: Uh, going back to the tight ends and the linebackers, just if you put all those guys in a group, right, Leighton Vanderesh, Damon Clark, Peyton Hendershot, Jake Ferguson, of that group of players, which one do you think has the highest upside or the highest ceiling? Like, hey, if they hit their – peak or you know they end up being the a plus version of themselves that could really turn the position around i would say it's
1: probably close between schoonmaker and clark right i think you know to me like
0: probably the one for me just because you can't find those tight ends with that kind of size and athleticism but yeah i feel strangely enough i worry more about his injuries than i do damone clark
1: yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, Damone Clark's injury is obviously more specified to a dangerous part of the area as opposed to like a reoccurring situation like you have yeah. with sometimes Maker. So uh, I think both of them are both incredibly athletic players, and if they can figure out the positions the way that we hope that they can, uh, yeah,
0: they they could unlock Pro Bowl, All-Pro ability if, if, if it all fits together for them. All right, let's get to uh, two other quick questions. This first one from Nate, he wants to know, I feel like Jordan Lewis is a very important part of this defense. Am I overanalyzing his impact? The game against the saints where he shut down Alvin Kamara has stuck with me for so long, including the game winning pick. What are your thoughts here? I don't think you have to go that far back
1: to, to find an impressive Jordan Lewis game. I I would honestly point to week one against the Tampa Bay. Jordan Lewis had an incredible game. You know, they can't say the rest about the Cowboys team necessarily, but I, I think he himself had a, had a very good game and, I uh, you know, I think that it's tough because we have spoken about Jordan Lewis for so long and, and and it's not, you know, it's not kind of sexy to kind of have a conversation about Jordan Lewis. It's better to talk about, hey, look at this hot new rookie we got in Deron Bland. He's going to be the future. And, and oh, look, they're trying Kelvin Joseph out at nickel and, and all this. And, and on top of that, Jordan, Jordan Lewis is also injured. So that that's also kind of tempering excitement at the position. Having said all that, I thought Jordan Lewis played great football last year when he was healthy, and and has really, really come into his own these last few years. Has found a spot that he's very comfortable at, and I think that when he's healthy and playing in the slot, he's dynamic. He's a playmaker. Um, you know, it, 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 it's it's been a very interesting journey for Jordan Lewis throughout this. Mm. Um, and and I honestly, the only thing that's kind of tempering my expectations and or my excitement for Jordan Lewis. Is that he is coming off a really ugly injured injury at a position that doesn't handle lower body injuries like that, and he was already a player that was not exceptionally explosive to begin with. You worry about this injury sapping the rest of that explosion, but if he comes back close to what he was before, Jordan Lewis is a is a valuable piece to have on this team, and 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 right. and and if he hadn't had the injury, I I I you and I had him earmarked as potentially being a trade trade bait player, or if not, you know, getting heavy rotations. I I think that there are plans for Jordan Lewis if he can get back on the field.
0: I think if you like look under some paper the the Cowboys have every reason to move on from Jordan Lewis, right? Like he's an aging slot corner who doesn't hit the Dan Quinn prototypes. Like he wants long, big cornerbacks, not Jordan Lewis. He's got a fairly significant cap hit. The Cowboys can get out of his contract really easy and he's coming off. One of the worst injuries a defensive back can have, a Liz Frank injury, right? Yeah. But I think he's on this roster because the team knows how important and valuable he can be. Like when he's right, he can play on the outside. He can play at the slot. He can, be, he can play on special teams. He can be your punt returner if you need him to return punts. He can play as a dime linebacker or however you want to deploy him. I think that's why they haven't given up on him is because they've seen what his impact can be when he's healthy and when he's right. And and I don't think, you know, not in the
1: extent that we see it with other players, but I I don't think we all recognize how much of a leader he is in that locker room. Oh, yeah. Like he is a huge locker room guy and, and, and a main voice in that room. And he doesn't speak to the media a ton or, you know, he, he's not the kind of you know star that, that they're gravitating towards. Everyone wants to talk to digs. Everyone wants to talk to curse. They're going to talk to want to talk to Gilmore, but Lewis is every bit as much a, a leader in that locker room. He's the most experienced he's been in that locker room. The longest uh, Gilmore obviously comes in with a lot of experience, but, but Lewis has been here. So uh, I, I think that that's something that's valuable too. And he's been a valuable part of helping develop guys like Deron bland and some of these younger guys. So if he can find a way to get healthy and, and make himself continue to be useful, I, I He'll either be on this team or they'll trade him to somebody who will play use him because I, I just, again, I think this, despite all those things that he has going against him that you just mentioned, there's a reason that he has this contract because he he plays well when he gets out there and he knows his
0: assignment and he executes yeah. it well. I think he's the, like the fifth longest tenured player on this team, right? There's Tyron That's, Smith, there's Zach Martin, Dak Prescott, Demarcus Lawrence. I think he's fifth. Like, it's I like you freaking.
1: You forget that he was on the team for years, you know, like yeah. because he kept, you know, during the Anthony Brown years, he was like there was times when he was cornerback four, there was yeah. times when he was cornerback three. Uh, but he always has been a valuable piece when he's on the field playing into the slot. So exactly. the Cowboys have kind of kept him around.
0: All right, let's uh, let's get to one more question about a certain all pro player the Cowboys might be able to add this offseason. We'll get to that next. All right, our final question here comes from Stevie. He wants to know, there is a rumor that's circulating that the Cowboys are interested in trading or signing, depending on how this works out. Cordero Patterson, the all-pro kick returner for the Falcons, what do you think about the Cowboys potentially adding him to the offense? Well, the first thing we have to
1: mention is how hilarious the uh, trade that I read in the in the rumor that I read was uh, cordell patterson for neville gallimore straight up and done. i was like done done do i need to make the phone call right now like yes. i'll do it right now um uh, you know again i I'm not nothing against neville uh, he was he looked great serving those water burgers today on on, on uh, social media when the, the cowboys released that but i i think if the cowboys could get somebody uh you know and and cordell's numbers are are You know they're not vet minimum numbers, but they're but they're not uh, offensive either. Like four million, right? Yeah, it's less than five million. Um, you know for 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 the for the Falcons, it's a it's it's a salary dump because they have so much young talent at the position at running back. Uh, for the for the Cowboys, it would be a pretty cheap uh uh, solution to you know, hey, who's your running back to? And then on top of that, as you and I've discussed. He could play a variety of roles for the Cowboys yeah. outside of just running back. He could be kick returner. He could be wide receiver six. He could be. He would be the kick you know, returner. He's the goat kick returner. Oh yeah, he's yeah, he's the greatest kick returner. Honestly, yeah. it may be something that you know that could open things up for other for you to make other moves on other parts of the roster as well because exactly he can kind of
0: fill is. those roles, right? I think what you do is you you if you if you're interested in bringing him in, it probably allows you to move on com- from Cavante Turpin. And probably a running back. Now you I don't know I don't know which one gets cut, but I think he's somebody that I, you could give the ball to seven or eight times as a pure running back because we've seen him. Like he's really made that transition to running back over the last couple yeah. of years and he's been really successful. But with the Falcons spending the number eight overall pick yeah. on B. John Robinson and having Tyler Algier on a rookie contract who rushed for a 1,000 yards last year, and having another guy that they signed as an undrafted free agent last year, it just doesn't make sense to have Patterson on this team anymore. But we've seen Mike McCarthy loves having these type of players. They spent a second-round pick on Randall Cobb, used him in the backfield a ton. When Cobb's contract was running out, they drafted Ty Montgomery in the third round, played him in the backfield. I think the Cowboys would be interested in doing something like this with Patterson, assuming he is available.
1: Yeah, and and it makes a lot of sense. Honestly, I mean, like, frankly, this is the kind of running back that, that McCarthy likes. I mean, really, Pollard even falls into this that category, right? you know, because he was, was mostly a wide receiver in college, comes into the league and kind of learns the running back position. I, I think there's lots of things that fit really well here. Like you said, the the his usage, the kind of player he is, the history that Mike McCarthy has in using these kind of players, the, the role that he would be playing, the, the versatility that he could give your game day roster. There is a lot of of things that fit here that don't, you know, when you hear these rumors kind of normally, that don't normally fit, like yeah. that that don't line up. The, the, all the other things that, you know, are usually the reasons when, we come onto these shows and I'm, and I'm going to tell you why this isn't going to happen. It's going to be, Oh, this, 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 you know, this roster building thing, this roster building thing, but all of those things actually fit really well for Cordell Patterson. Even, even the $4 million price tag, that's not a lot of money for a, you know, kind of solid, you know, playmaking option as you're running back to, and,
0: and and what else, all the other things that he can do for your team. So, which uh, I, this
1: one actually makes a lot of sense to
0: me. Honestly, I, I mean, I don't mean to get into a long conversation about the the value of running backs and whether you should pay them or not, but yes, you do. I think the guys, the guys <laughs> that the guys that you're going to want to pay are the guys that can do a lot of different roles. Yeah. like Patterson, who can yeah. be, you know, I know the kicking game is getting you know minimized, but still super dynamic as a kick returner can function as your fourth, fifth, sixth wide receiver. Yeah. and can give you explosive plays as a running back. And he loves to block. Like, that's the thing is he'll yeah. go in there and block, you know, if you want him to, you know. He's a the football player. End. Yeah. Exactly. He's a football player. So yeah. at $4 million to basically be, you know, to cover three different positions, I don't think it's a bad idea if the Cowboys decide to explore it. No, this is one of those that the, the, the rumor actually kind of makes some
1: sense, yeah. and, and it, it fits yeah. in the, all the roster-building ways as well, yeah.
0: All right, that is it for today's show. We want to thank you for making On Cowboys your first listen every day. Again, every day is a Monday show. Landon and I are going to be talking about that cornerback position, what we can expect from Stefan Gilmore, Kelvin Joseph in the slot, Trayvon Diggs going into year four, all that and so much more. So be sure to uh, tune in for that one. Uh, go check out our show on YouTube. We are free and available on all platforms. Uh, go follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you right back here on Monday.